The JMF Advisors Show is a podcast for business owners, C-suite executives, and entrepreneurs who are looking to build, grow, or even exit a business. We bring in some of our best financial advisors to interview experts on business best practices, hot topics, and sprinkle in some tax and accounting help. If you're a business owner, startup founder, CFO, or just starting your side hustle, this podcast is for you. Hey, welcome back uh, to the Jameson Money Farmer Advisor Show, JMF Advisor Show. We're back in what we're calling Season 3. I'm here today with Christy Moore. Welcome back. Hey there. Excited um, to be here. I'm Bobby Bragg, again with uh, Jameson Money Farmer, JMF. Today's topic is all about tax considerations for internet retailers, social influencers, and just generally gig workers. So um, we've actually had a, f- a fair number of folks that have um, come into the office, you know, either with actually all they do is is gig work or uh, social influence work, um, not even just side hustles recently. So you can definitely see an explosion in, in that type of work. That's even right. In our community. That's right. Internet uh, retailers are growing daily, you know, whether it's a product that a social media influencer comes up with or you know of course there's plenty of um local retailers that also do internet retailing so that's right we'll talk about some of those tax considerations as well yeah they have very specific uh issues related to taxes that are they do good to talk about christy and i were as we were preparing for today's podcast we were talking a little bit about um how much more prevalent that there are in social media influences. And then we saw a study this morning on um, children. I don't remember the age group exactly, but I mean, they were three times as likely to say they wanted to be a YouTube star uh, than they were to be an astronaut, for example. Easy to say that wasn't on our radar when we were (laughs) growing up. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely not. We had no no interest in being, uh, and look at us now, look how far we've come. Uh, So... Yeah, wasn't going to make an astronaut list either. That, um, that That's true. The the amazing thing about that, and that was kids in the U.S. and the U.K., the amazing, other amazing thing about that is it even exceeded like being a professional athlete, which is also extremely rare to be able right. to do. That's right. Uh, that's right. So uh, amazing how far we've gone really in this, in this neck of the woods. I don't think anybody was really, I don't know when you started being, seeing people like earn money as a social influencer. It was surprising when you first learned that that's, that's a real thing. (laughs) All right. So again, we're going to talk today about uh, tax considerations for all of those folks, gig workers in general. I mean, look, we we live in a university town. So, I mean, uh, name image and likeness uh, is very much in the same same, That's right. Uh, they have a lot of these same considerations. Okay. So uh, almost all of these uh, types of workers get 1099 income is generally speaking the way the way that comes. That's so who gets a 1099 form and what do you get them for exactly? Okay. So there's a lot of different types of 1099s, but in this realm, for the most part, we see 1099 NEC forms. And so those um, type of payments for non-employee compensation historically were reported on a miscellaneous form 1099-MISC. Um, but now IRS broke those out into a separate form 1099-NEC where um, any sort of non-employee compensation for freelance or independent contractors, things like that are reported on that form. Um, and I think IRS is 
they're honing in on, on that for a reason. You know, they pulled that out onto a separate form for a right. reason. So uh, NEC stands for non-employee compensation. That's right. So the, these That's are right. the instances where you are absolutely not an employee of the company. That's right. Um, you know, and the employer should make the consideration of whether, you know, you should be treated as an employee. And once they decide that you're a contractor um, of sorts, then the payments to you are, should be reported on there. And, um, you know, typically if you're an employee, that would be reported on a W-2 and you'd have tax withholdings. And that always helps you prepare for tax time. Right. But in this case, there are no tax withholdings. And right. so you've got to do some some prep ahead of time to get right. ready for tax time. So we see a lot of folks that are like, oh, I didn't realize I was going to get taxed on that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They get that form in the mail and it's, it can be shocking when you make it to the tax return. Gotcha. Um, and I know, I know a lot of the influencers are, are given, you know, either product to either wear, you know, if it's a Viore or someone like that, they're going to give you product to wear in your, in your, um, videos and, right. and things of that nature. But, you know, there are certainly also other types of things that they give you for free. Are those considered taxable items? Yes, they typically are. And the IRS uses a term um, that they refer to as de minimis for determining whether items like that are taxable. They use it in an employee um, gift type um, situation as well. But anytime something like that is giving given in exchange for services or a promotion or something like that. Um, if it's, if the value of that item is at least a hundred dollars, um, and that, you know, kind of pertains to gift cards as well. If, you know, store credit is given or something like that, but yes, yeah, certainly if they're mailing you a $200 item, asking you to promote it right. on your, um, Instagram page or whatever, right. Technically, um, that is taxable and should be picked okay. up as income. And that, and generally speaking, that company should put that in that. They uh, should 1099. include it in their 1099. Yeah. And so what happens if they don't include it in there? Well, <laughs> technically anything that is considered income, you should pick up. I mean, you know, the, the threshold for reporting on a 1099 is $600, okay. but, um, Technically, IRS says even if you only made $500 from that company, you know, you're supposed to combine it with your other income and report it on your Schedule C. Gotcha. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so a lot a lot of influencers and other gig workers really uh, come across self-employment tax. So what, what is that and who has to pay that? Okay, so self-employment taxes for those that are self-employed individuals. And, you know, although you think you may not be self-employed. If you're receiving one of those 1099 NEC, IRS wants to see you report that income on a Schedule C. And so um, that um, the net income, which we'll talk about some expenses that you can use to offset that income to um, come down to the net income, um, is taxable for income tax um, okay. based on the tax brackets, but then also for self-employment tax. And self-employment tax is comprised of Social Security tax and Medicare tax. Um, if you're an employee, that's withheld out of your um, paycheck, and then the employer matches it. But if you're self-employed, you're responsible for both parts, right. the employee and the employer portion. And it totals 15.3% right. of the net income on your Schedule C. And so that amount plus some income tax can get you to a pretty nice size number at tax time if you're not prepared. Right. And when we're, we're talking to uh, influencers or people that get a lot of 1099 income, we kind of give them that, hey, you should probably set aside 25 or 30%. That's on. right. So if you get a thousand dollar check, you know, if you want to put 300 aside in the, in a, 
you know, tax savings account because you know eventually you're going to have to pay for that. That's right. That's right. Um, totally. So that that's a big difference, I think, for, for a lot of folks, particularly maybe if you have a W-2 job mm-hmm. where you don't, it kind of just goes out and you don't really see it. Um, you know, you, it's so much different. It's tough once it hits your account right. and you've got to either put it away or, you know, IRS has requirements for quarterly estimated tax payments that um, there are certain rules for those. Um, probably need to consult your tax advisor, but um, but you need to be at least putting it away, like you said. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure, it has to be a consideration. That's right. Way. So quarterly would be uh, how you would do that. Ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, so are there any tax implications? So the, the way I envision a lot of these social media influences is an Instagram post, but I mean, obviously there's YouTubes and uh, YouTube videos like the one we're doing, although we're not monetizing this. <laughs> that's right. Uh, no, no one's paid us to uh, wear what <laughs> not we're yet. wearing today. That's right. Um, but, uh, you know, whether it, whether it's a YouTube video, uh, you know, a- any of the other uh, social media platforms, there certainly you can see those anywhere. Um, h- how do the state implications work for, uh, you know, companies uh, are actually – you know, the gig workers. Yeah. Um, so we have 50 states in the United States and almost all of the tax laws are different in each state, but it makes it easy for us. <laughs> yeah. It's so simple. But, um, if you are traveling for any of those gigs, um, and performing services in a different state than your home state, you may have a reporting requirement in that state. Um, and so you've got to consider that if you're going on site for, um, I don't know, a grand opening for this brand you're promoting, or if you've got a service that you're providing, you know, or an appearance or something like that, um, in another state, you've got to consider if there's, um, compensation for those services performed there. And so, um, again, another time to have a tax advisor on your side that can help you prepare for that, um, because of those different roles. Right. But that physical presence, a lot of times, That's um, is something that probably needs to be in the back of your mind. To, okay. I need to start thinking about: Am I going to have a reporting requirement in California because I'm right. going out there for a photo a shoot, shoot or something right. like that? Yeah. So if you're doing it everything on your phone, you kind of know where you That's are. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Your home state is generally. Gotcha. Um, so we talked a lot about how all the income portion of that, and everyone says, "Oh, just write it off on your taxes." So yeah. what are some of the deductions that a lot of these? Uh, influencers uh, might may yeah so the the big thing with irs is they say that it needs to be an ordinary and necessary um, business expense for it to be a deductible cost and so that can be you know of course that cell phone that you're um, posting selfies on and um, you know people are buying equipment such as this or um, ring lights ring lights things like that exactly if you have to travel, you know, we just talked about travel. If you've got travel costs related to that, it's not just, hey, I'm going on vacation and going to post my vacation. Right. But um, I that's think that's when it, you want to be a travel blogger, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's right. Um, but, you know, if that's part of the services that you're providing, sure, I think that's probably can be considered ordinary necessary right. in certain cases. Um, if you've got to buy certain apps for the post that you make or certain subscriptions, things like that. Right. Um, the big thing is going to be to make sure you have documentation for those expenses. Um, and if it's, you know, if you've got business meals, there's always, um, different things like that. Um, you've got professional, you, that accountant that's going to help you right. <laughs> prepare for taxes, you know, different costs like that that are related to, 
um, that business income. Right. Just make sure you've got um, documentation for all those expenses because that's what IRS is going to look for um, if you're ever audited. And they need to, you know, if you're not going to be able to recall or there's not itemization on those, you need to have some detail about um, the specific purpose. Um, so if a physical file, a file folder with yeah. your receipt stuck in, it's fine. We see that a lot. But then, you know, there's apps now for tracking take a snapshot of that receipt. Right. So long as there is a record right. of those receipts, digital is fine. Yeah. Okay. And like we've talked about, obviously, you know, if a tax professional helps you, but I mean, there are a lot of agents involved in, in a lot of these, That's uh, right. you know, they'll, they may be the ones that are bringing you the brands. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So all of the fees that you would pay to that person sure. as well. Also. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Again, probably documentation is key, right? It, it sure is, yeah. That's, that, that's, that's very important. That's pretty much true on everything related to the IRS. When that's they, right. When they come knocking, you want to have You want document. to be prepared. That's right. Um, we, we also talked about, I guess, some mileage, like if you're going somewhere. so um, That's right. That's one of those things you want to have. A, yeah, a even if it's not an overnight stay where you would have lodging, you may have um, a business trip or something like that. But yes, you're, if you have auto expenses, you sh uh, IRS requires you to have a, a mileage log right. and say where you document where you went to, the purpose, the date, and the number of miles and things like that. And then they offer a deduction based on um, a mileage rate. Right. And it changes periodically, usually at least annually. Right. Um and I mean, people, people like, I think overthink that. I mean, it can literally just be a, a notebook. Sure. Right? That's like, right. That's right. They just want to have it. Like you can't just say, oh, I probably drove 10,000 miles. That's right. They want to know exactly which one. Exactly. All right. Uh, so that's the way, you know, we talked about started with income and then we went down to things that'll can, you can deduct from income to get you that sort of net income, what you're going to pay. Um, your taxes on whether it's self-employment taxes or the or the other taxes. What what about for the internet retailer? So that could be selling you know virtually anything. Um, if you have a if you have a store versus some of these stores are now just strictly online. Mm -hmm. Even uh, what are the sales tax remittance requirements and all the sales tax kind of issues around that for internet retailers? Similar to income tax being different in every state, um, sales tax gets even more complicated because there's localities within those states right. um, that have different sales tax rates and um, ways to remit and things like that. But again, every state has different rules. I mean, there are some that are part of a uniform um, nationwide sales tax um, Trading. collaborative type yeah. thing where um, they can ch charge a base rate or a, a general rate. Mm -hmm. But um, there are charts out there available in different services that are good. If you are going to have um, sales generally, I mean, we see some states have a, um, their economic nexus is based on the amount of sales, so the dollar amount, but then in some states it's based on the number of transactions. Right. And so it can be as low as 200 transactions in a state yeah. in a year can require you to have to file there. Gotcha. And so um, there are different services out there that specialize in sales tax and um, 
the multi-state implications. And so it's a good idea if you're going to have um, internet sales across the nation to employ one of those okay. to be on your side to help say, hey, you've met that threshold in these states. And right. they can even do as much as help you with the licensing that's required there because you've got to apply for business license and okay. um, the different accounts. And they can even help you file on them. Typically monthly, some um, localities, depending on your liability, it can just be quarterly filings yeah. and things. But, um, you know, a lot of retailers use a point of sale system. Um, yeah. I mean, they used to be cash registers, but now uh, they're a lot more advanced than that. And they're an um, iPad. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so um, now, you know, they're typically always electronic point of sale systems. And um, those, a lot of them have different tracking features. And so it's a good idea to make sure your electronic point of sale system helps you track where products are being shipped to. Um, you know, we're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. If we also had a store in Nashville, Tennessee, anything we drop shipped from here, we would um, have to collect tax in Tennessee because we have a physical presence. But right. then, you know, at some point we may meet a threshold for the 200 transactions in another state. And right. so we need to be tracking that along the way, even if we don't have a reporting requirement in another state other than those two, um, so that we can continue to measure if w at what point we are going to have to right. start filing in some of those states. So, so, so that, uh, I, that just reminds me that we have a couple of uh, resources on our website um, related to, you know, we've got the, whether it's 200 transactions and ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars or whatever by each state we have that uh, listed out on our website so you can um, search for that after um, and then we've also we've had a full if you're very interested in multi-state uh, sales tax issues we we, had, we did do a full podcast on that that's um, right a, a few you know scroll back in in the feed there season and, two yeah exactly <laughs> season two we had all sorts of uh, it's actually Kim Smith who who runs our state and local tax group, and then uh, we had Blake Madison, uh, a local attorney that also deals with a lot of the. They are the gurus. Yeah, yes. A lot of the state tax issues. So, um, if that's one of the, you know, if you want to learn more about that specific topic, um, you know, that that may be something that's worthwhile for right. everybody here. The key is to be aware that that you may have issues, but. Yeah. You know, to be able to track it with some sort of system is, right. is a good idea to be able to identify when you might have an issue. Yes. Yeah. And I guess one of the things that we ask folks when they when we do know that there's selling sort of all over is can you just give us a breakdown mm -hmm. of your sales by state? That's right. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, you still have to. There are other things outside of the sales tax, like the business license yes. that you mentioned and things right. of that nature. Yeah. So we did a deep dive in that other. Uh, so. You know, if you if you want that's to learn more, one. that's a, that's a good one to go back to. Definitely. Um, so speaking of those retailers, a lot of a lot of folks now, you know, used to just be cash or credit. Now you're getting paid by Cash App or Venmo or uh, PayPal. You name it at this point, Apple that's Pay, right. I guess. Um, I still have like 99 cents in my. Someone gave me money, and uh, you know, I got 99 cents on my Apple Pay. I can't do anything with it. But, um, <laughs> I do, you know, maybe somebody charges something. For I was going to say, buy an app, maybe. So so how are those payments? I've heard that now that those payments are being reported to the IRS for everyone, I guess. Um, you know, what what are those what are those payments? What triggers a, a reporting 
from, let's say, PayPal or Venmo um, to the IRS, et cetera. Yeah. You mentioned um, that that became an issue, a hot topic over the last year or so. I think it was the American Rescue Plan Act um, lowered the threshold by which people are required to report um, payments on a 1099-K. That's the big scary form that, that everyone so went running. And, that's right, another 1099. So um, credit card processors have always, I say always, but you know, for many years, been have been required to report um, payments collected on behalf of a, typically a retailer or some sort of yeah. um, business, the credit card payments received. Um, so they've always received those 1099Ks. But now that the threshold for um, reporting those business transactions is kind of the typical um, description of the type payments to go right. on there. Um, now that the threshold has been lowered to $600, it got a lot of people's interest. And right. so, um, you know, for somebody that just selling trinkets or um, you and I exchanging, you know, me reimbursing you for lunch on Venmo right. um, had a lot of people scared that they were going to have a tax implication that otherwise would not be the case. Right. And so um, it was set to go into effect for the 2022 tax year, okay. but sometime in December, it was late in the year, yeah. they, um, they delayed it until 2023. So as of right now, we expect that that is the requirement for this year. And so people need to be aware, but not scared yeah. because um, there are some workarounds. I mean, Really, if I'm reimbursing you for lunch, that should not go on a 1099K. But, and I know Venmo is the one I use the most. Right. Um, and I've looked into it for a client or a friend before. Yeah. And the, um, they all should have a mechanism to toggle between whether this is a business transaction or it's not. Right. And so if I properly reimburse you for lunch, right. it should not be on a 1099K. Right. But there are mechanisms to to fix that if I accidentally have it clicked where it is a business transaction. Right. And so IRS has some instructions on their website, um, kind of a helpful guide for 1099-K forms if you want to look for that. Um, and they say that if you um, receive a 1099-K for payments that are either personal reimbursements, gifts, or you know, say I sold you a bicycle, yeah. off of Facebook garage sale and I didn't have a gain on that sale, I can just pick it up on the um, schedule one as an other income item and then show it as an other adjustment on that same schedule. Okay. It's basically what we call in and out. So okay. it's not going to end up with any tax implications, but because you received that form, you need to show it somewhere on your return right. or IRS is going to send you a nice little letter. Right. That so, says you so they're just looking to see that you've accumulated. Uh, got it on there. Somewhere, That's right. Even if it ends up. So there, zero. there's a way to fix it if you get one right. and you shouldn't. Um, and it is explained in that guide. Um, right. They they heard the uproar and so they've addressed a lot of the concerns. Right. Um, well, so if you're, I, I use Venmo um, a, a fair amount too. When when you're on the page and you know, let's say we're swapping twenty dollars back and forth, you know, there's there's that question that says something along the lines of. Um, do you want protection for them? It was as if I was selling you something for $20 and you want to have uh, Venmo protection that I don't actually give you whatever you're paying for. That's right. Um, when you click that over, you know, if it was a $20, the recipient might get $19 and nine cents or so. That's know, they, true. Ta they take a little fee out of there mm -hmm. for that protection. That's actually the thing that will trigger the, okay, this is, 
not just you and I, you know, reimbursing one another, but I'm buying something from you. So that's the way to, to know for that. Like I do have friends that'll send me something and they just auto click that or Correct. I don't know if they do it Accidental. by default. Yeah. Uh, they just don't know the difference. I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, hey, I got $19 and 11 cents <laughs> or whatever right. the number it ends up being for the $20. So, um, that's, a, that's a big one. Um, I, I know that there is also at least a little bit of talk just by virtue of the, there's some 600 seems like a relatively low number, um, that there, there's some talk about whether they will push that number up. Um, I think it was actually in the last, in the last, I don't know if it was the budget discussions or in the, um, think maybe the debt ceiling changes, but I mean, I think there's at least some appetite from the, from the Congress to, to move that number up. 600 is relatively low. Um, and you know, everything's getting more expensive. That's so right. We, we can That's right. You can get to 600 uh, pretty quick. Yeah. That's right. 600 has just been the magic number for 1099s for many years, as yeah. long as I've been practicing, I think. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's definitely one of those things that probably keep an eye out for whether that number changes or not. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think from the, you know, general practitioners on the, whatever the threshold is for those numbers, they're just running a report. You know, they're looking for the transactions and the over 600. Yes. That's right. And then the, they kick them out. And so that's, uh, that's some other good, good items. Any, anything else really on the PayPal, uh, things for, I mean, look, if you get you know, from a social influencer, you could just as likely get paid via Venmo or sure. PayPal there too. Same, That's right. I mean, thing. you know, if it's business income, you should be picking it up no matter what. So yeah. um, if it's not, like I said, if you receive one of those, there's a workaround, you know, yeah. talk, talk to your um, tax practitioner about that. But, um, you know, if you, you know, if payments come through Venmo, they might be reported on the 1099K. Um, and if payments, um, or just written by check or electronic wire to you and are on your 1099 NEC. You just combine all of those and they go on your Schedule C. And right. then, then you start working on the deductions, which right. is, you know, going to help you out in some of those. So I think we're going to, I think what we're going to see, and I think we thought we were going to see a lot of this this past year was everybody's kind of curious. Okay, do they really pick everything up or do they pick things up that aren't really supposed to be there? I guess my takeaway from that is, is, if it wasn't supposed to be there, you do have a remedy to, to as you said, go in and out on your. That's on right. Your, but you absolutely want to show. If you if, receive that form, yeah, make sure it's on your tax return, so, even if you show an out. Right. Yeah. So the, I guess maybe a, a higher level discussion. I mean, this really involves every every type of form, a W two, for example. You know, the IRS at this point is just running. They know what they got mm -hmm. based on your social security mm -hmm. number. So they're going to run your return against, I know I need to see these five things. That's right. Seven things or 20 things. They call it matching. Yeah. So they want to match what they receive from the payer side that you as the recipient have reported all of those income items. And even if it's a penny off, it doesn't match anymore. A penny's fine, a dollar. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sure there's some, you know. Minimum amount that they don't any, yeah. that they don't reach out to you about, but but they will send a matching notice. Right, um, you see those just about yeah. Oh yeah, we <laughs> see many of those every year. Oh, I forgot I got that ten ninety nine, or oh, it never came in the mail. So right, it, it happens. Okay, um, so and I mean I think we covered a, a bunch of topics as, as far as for for you know 
gig workers in general, but I mean, that, that really includes the, your social media influencers, anybody that's really working as an independent contractor, mm-hmm. um, but could be, could be NIL, could be um, straight up social influencing, but also could be, you know, hey, I buy... I buy comic cards in person and sell them on the, you know, That's any right. of those types of That's trades. Right. Um, any any other sort of, you know, last items to maybe consider while doing some of those things? I know you work with a lot of smaller businesses on the on the actual accounting side. Is there anything that, you know, we want to definitely touch on? No, I, I think we covered a lot today. Um, okay. A, a packed full. Um, <laughs> podcast, but the deductions, you know, documenting, I think is key. We mentioned that earlier. That's really important. Lauren Roberts and I will um, also have a session in this season that talks a little more about Schedule C's and small businesses. So tune into that because we'll talk about some um, ways for you to track your small business income and expenses and things like that. Right. Now, a lot of folks, a lot of folks will say, well, should I track all of, you know, should I run all of these through a separate account or maybe even a separate, you know, on the expense side, a separate credit card. Um, I mean, is it required? Um, no, it's not required, but it is a good idea if you're going to have a, a decent volume of transactions related to this yeah. business, because it'll help keep you on track for record keeping, you know, Hey, if yeah. I know I've only got to go to this one bank account or this one credit card to pull all of my, right. um, income or expenses, then um, that makes it a little bit easier for record keeping. Lauren and I will talk about um, some times that it is a good idea to have a separate bank account, to form an LLC, things like that. Right. Um, but not always required, but it but okay. it might be a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, excellent. Uh, certainly appreciate you spending some time with yes. us and talking Good to be back. Social influ- influencers yeah. and, and all, all of all Maybe things. Maybe one day they'll be shipping us stuff to wear that's, on our that's the right. JMF Advisor show. We'll have we'll have uh, <laughs> branded gear or something along <laughs> those right. lines. By the way, beautiful uh, updates to the nice, studio. Nice here. Yeah, we're happy about uh, the new the new studio in front uh, in downtown Tuscaloosa. That's right. So, uh, all right. Well, thanks again for uh, joining us. And if uh, you have any other. Um, questions or certainly podcast topics, certainly reach out to um, us at info at jmf.com and we'll be glad to talk to you soon. Thanks again. If you would like us to help your business or would like to suggest additional podcast topics, simply send an email to info at jmf.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on YouTube and your favorite audio podcast apps.